and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Apparently better than you, Justin. Just uh, swigging down a groovy gold nail. The best N.A. I've ever tasted, Kirby. Well, way back in uh, in my running days, I never found that to be the best way to replenish myself after a run. So, God knows we tried, Curb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have a I have a video of that meat, by the way. Is that right? Yeah. You're kidding me. No, I found it. <laughs> and it's fun to watch you suffer in that two-mile race. <laughs> Even today. <laughs> wow. That's a st- I can't believe you have that. Kirk, let's get on with all things IndyCar, shall we? I'm pressed for time, so we're going to be mercifully short to our listeners today. You went to the GMR Grand Prix on Saturday. I did. Um, in fact, if memory serves, you haven't missed one there yet. Aside from the pandemic year when they ran two on a weekend and I only made one of them, uh, that's right. I think it's fair to say at this point, I mean, how many times did they run there? It's, it's a bunch. Oh, uh, like 13 or 14 now, I think. Yeah, okay, so... That's enough for perspective, Curb. So give us some perspective on this race. And like I said, I don't we'll get into who did what in the race and so forth. But I'm talking about the fan experience, the fan perception. Uh, You know, I think the fan experience is is solid. I think they've done a lot and continue to do a lot over the years, especially since uh, RP's involvement uh, to make the experience better. Really. expanded the the mounds there in the first turn slash oval fourth turn area higher curb or are they just bigger both they run longer now and they are higher and taller they've accepted the fact probably that when the camera shot shows the stands looks sparse but uh there's tons of people in the infield and on the mounds you know they've added more video boards in the infields you know enhances the experience there too so they're doing a good job i think i think they said this is a second large crowd since 2017 curb did it feel more crowded i mean did you you know, feel like there was more people there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got I got there in time for the the, the Indy Next race this time. And uh, so I was there by one o'clock or before. You know, the North 40 there was filling up nicely, but, uh, you know, three hours before the, the IndyCar race. And I think they had, a, they had a good weather day, which is not always the case for the, uh, the Indy GP in May. And so I think that, that probably helped, I'm sure. Where is the best place to sit there, Curb? If you had to choose one, where, where are you going to sit? Those mounds in the fourth turn look very intriguing. It's pretty cool to see the cars coming in there to turn one. I've sat on the outside of turn one, and that's always good. Uh, you can usually get a pretty good view down the front straight and then see that whole section through there. I keep going away from that spot, but in many ways, that might be the best spot. I've sat in the catbird seat up there way high atop turn four a number of times, and you can see a lot of the track, and it's pretty cool, but you're also pretty far away from the, you know, the noise and the visceral experience of being at the race. All right. Well, that's all good advice. Good advice. Um, one of these days I'm going to make one of those races, but it's always so close to the 500. I guess at least this one is that, you know. It's going to come back in August. Yeah. And then there's Indiana in August. <laughs> well, <laughs> those are your choices. <laughs> no, or no. I know. Let's dig into the race a little bit. I thought it was a pretty good race, actually. Uh, I don't know how it played live. I mean, obviously, Palau at the end ran away with it, but a lot of different strategies. Uh, you must have been pleased that everybody, with, with exception to Graham Rahal, was going full out. There was no fuel savings. So I thought overall, you know, a very intriguing race, plenty of passing, and, uh, you know, not the greatest race ever or anything like that. 
and it was a little bit Formula One-esque, uh, I guess, in the sense that there was a tire strategy, which was paramount, and a pit strategy, which was paramount. And, you know, that put Palau way out in front and kind of ran away with it, which is also Formula One-esque. Um, but having said all that, still, to me, not a bad race. What say you? It was a good race, fun race. I think, um, you know, there, you did get to the point there where you're kind of hoping for yellow to get you know, some of these cars packed back up and see if they could be more racy with each other if they were, you know, in contact with each other. The best car certainly won, and I think the best cars probably ended up in the top three. I think uh, Palau was going to win whether he started on reds or blacks or whenever he took his red stint. Yeah, it seemed like Lungard made a big mistake by going to reds a couple of times in a row. That that seemed like yeah, a- that yeah that second stretch of I mean, I guess he was trying something different or something. I don't know, but. Uh, um, doing a, doing double stints on reds i didn't understand you mentioned uh or i mentioned Lungard, i guess ray hall had a pretty good weekend overall mm-hmm. but you can't help but feel that jack harvey has done himself more damage than good out you know out of the weekend well that's what i was gonna ask you because i had no idea and i still don't have any idea if there's some reason behind his descent through the field um was there anything talked about on tv spun on his own and then somehow that made him susceptible to the back half of the field passing him too <laughs> yeah he was pretty much a rolling chicane there even for at the for the front of the field in the early part of the race well the, the the started out you know damage to the system was i believe it was he was being pressured by Lungard, and he flat spotted huge i mean it wasn't a small lockup going into one so then he had to run around on a you know heavily flat spotted tire which didn't help him. And then later in the race, he spun all on his own and that shuffled him back to the back of the field. And um, he didn't make a a power-esque charge through the field. And so back to my comment, you know, it was looking good for him. He qualified good. He was right up there and, you know, Jack's back and then Jack isn't back. And you'd have to kind of feel like ultimately that's more damning than if he'd just been kind of mid-pack the whole time. I had a sinking feeling for Jack as he was sinking through the field. You know, like you said, Lungard, he may have dropped a little bit from the pole, but still finished fourth, I think. Graham, uh, Ray Hall, you know, obviously got set back there at the beginning, but seemed to still be racy throughout the, the rest of the race, even when he decided to go for that fuel save at the end. No, and, you know, you have been kind of down on him for a while now, and I've basically been speaking up for him, but it's getting harder, I'll be honest. I think your prediction of a mid-season change, unless he really has something pretty dramatic happen in the next few races, is in the bag, I would think. Yeah. Curb, just, uh, jumping around a little bit here, um, sent me a rather lengthy article on uh, the improvements at the Speedway that they're doing, mm-hmm. the money they're spending, and the plan, and how they've bought land around Speedway that they're don't know exactly what they're going to do with, or at least if they do, they haven't told anybody. A couple things come out of that to me, Curb, is one is Roger Penske loves a good pave job. <laughs> Every time you read one of those articles, it's about paving something. Paving and painting, I think, yeah. He must hate the feel of rocks under your feet. And getting back to, the, like, you know, the expansion around uh, the Speedway into Speedway Indiana and so forth, I mean, to me – and I know you and I have debated this. It's so obvious where a this should go, and b I hope they're going is they need to put a hotel casino complex around there, center the gambling around IndyCar, and have at it. And they should be working the gambling a- aspect of IndyCar more. I'm not just saying that because I bet on Palau last week, but 
they should be hyping that more. That that just seems like such an easy win for IndyCar. Uh, well, I don't know the the legalities of, of a casino and all that. And they do have, or at least they announced a couple of years ago, you know, a, a betting window or whatever you want to call it, I think, behind the pagoda. Yeah. Until you, until you create a resort. I don't know how gambling really is going to make a big difference for IndyCar. Well, I think there needs to be, I mean, I think it would add to the gambling aesthetic of IndyCar and, and IndyCar is fun to bet on as I'm a regular doer of it. And I think it's, it's random enough to where it's really interesting, frankly. And I think it's an avenue they need to pursue a little bit more. Obviously you have for, for on the national level, you have to have a bit more attention to the sport and that's probably why it hasn't advanced so much. But I think, you know, putting that casino in would probably help them out on the other side of that too. And that's just kind of, Hey, not, it's not only IndyCar you can watch and race and the racing's great. And you know, the, yeah, the cars are cool and all that. Uh, but it's also something you can gamble on. I just think that's a good overall message for the kiddies. <laughs> I don't know for the kiddies, but maybe uh, young adults uh, that you, you know, you want to get interested in. Um, well, it's one of these life life lessons that you got to teach your kids at some point how to gamble or how not to <laughs> avoid gambling and enjoy the sport for the for the sport's sake. Could I suppose see the the potential there? Not only if you if you had your resort hotel, your gambling, your golf course there at the Brickyard Crossing for the well-heeled, you know, you could maybe take your car out on the road course track when it's not being used, things like that. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure somehow all that could be tied into a, a new and fancier IndyCar museum and, and entertainment thing and all that kind of thing. I think so. I really do. Curb, um, again, jumping all over the place a little bit here. Uh, have you watched the latest Drive to Survive for Less, a.k.a. 100 Days to Indy, part two? I think there have been three episodes so far now, yeah. I, okay. I, I I watched it. I turned it on Friday night, fell asleep halfway through, and then uh, rewound it after I woke up and, and rewatched it again. So, yeah. Okay. And? I don't think my opinion has changed much since the first episode to, to you and me. There's not a lot there. Hopefully, uh, it's something that's attractive to the newbies that uh, are not already engaged in the sport. If anybody is going to connect with young people and maybe young ladies after these first three episodes – is Pat O'Ward. Um, to me, he's been the only difference maker in these episodes. Well, it might be Lungard after he drops that mustache. That guy needs to win quick. <laughs> well, um, I haven't seen him fe- featured yet, so uh, I know he was not featured in episode three. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad to hear they're kind of narrowing the focus of the, of the show, of the production, because – I've been watching Drive to Survive, the season Drive to Survive, with my wife, who likes Drive to Survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that they do well is they pick a theme for a show, and they execute very well on that theme. One of the recent ones I watched was about Mick Schumacher. Right? Now, Mick Schumacher is not even racing in Formula One this year. He got you know, let go at Haas at the end of last year. Uh, Haas was uh, not doing particularly well last year, and Mick Schumacher was doing even worse. And they managed to make an engaging episode out of that, right? Mm -hmm. It would be like taking almost like Benjamin Peterson and focusing on him and somehow making that interesting. So credit to them. Now, obviously, the guy's got a big last name. But I don't even think Drive to Survive is about that. I mean, you know, I think your average Drive to Survive – 
show. I mean, they might know who Michael Schumacher is and that, but you know, it's not a big name to them is my point, but they did make an engaging show out about it. They, they do a good job of, of focusing on a theme. And the other interesting thing is the show always starts, you know, kind of featuring the drivers and the personalities. And that's always in the background. But if you really get down to it, it's the interviews with like, uh, Gutensteiner and 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 Zach Brown and some of the others that kind of carry the show. Christian Horner, it, it's actually those interviews that kind of carry the show, not the driver. The driver interviews are almost kind of inserted in between. It's really interesting though. I mean, I've been looking at it from that way, and they do a very good job. I, I, there's no denying it. Yeah, credit to them for that. Um, you know, they have the advantage of spending all season recording things and then spending half the off season putting it together and, and not showing these shows till, you know, what, three or four months after the season's over. Oh yeah. I mean, the editing's fantastic. It's coming back to me now. Uh, we saw, we saw a pedo award drive over to Tony Kanan's house and drive on their simulators. We saw Helio play tennis with Roman Grosjean. Might and, be seeing a lot of Elio playing tennis next year. Yes. <laughs> Um, and we saw Kyle Kirkwood go diving for lobsters in some fancy place in Florida. It doesn't seem to me like it's as tightly focused as what you're describing for Drive to Survive. Let's no, no. They, like I said, they, they work on a theme and they keep going with it. They allude to other themes that they'll get to later in the, you know, I, I assume this would probably be the year you want to watch because this is going to be Danny Rick's uh, demise year uh, on Drive <laughs> to Survive Curve. So this might be the one you want to watch. Well, um, I, but but I just saw today that he's fitting, getting a seat fitting at AlphaTauri. He is. Yes. So I, I don't need I don't need those false hopes if, if he's just gonna rise like a phoenix from his ashes. So. Well, that's because Devries, uh, although he's been given you know two seconds in the sport, apparently you know he had a great debut and everybody wanted him. He was the hot ticket, and now he's not performing, and all of a sudden maybe he's not such a hot ticket anymore. He'll be the next. Hey, when's he coming to IndyCar, guy? I would, I predict. Ricardo or DeVries? DeVries. Curve, did you watch the Miami Grand Prix by chance? I saw the last six laps. Okay. I mean, uh, they've they're up thirty thousand people year on year attendance, so it's still making progress there that way. Um, the drivers still complain about everything, including having to sit out there in the hot sun for an extra twenty minutes while they, you know, while okay. LL Cool J uh, belts out some tunes. McLaren is not doing well this year at all. You always have that kind of fear in your back of head that somehow it's going to affect their indie program, although they were, you know, very good, obviously, at, uh, at the latest GMR Grand Prix and uh, Pato's second in the championship. So um, they're doing well, well here, but they're I not doing I, well over there. I think I sent you another article where uh, apparently McLaren is raking in the American sponsors for Formula One, so. Uh, maybe that'll buy Zach a few uh, an extra year or two. We said last podcast or the podcast before, probably the podcast before, we were talking about Miles was going to come out and make some statements on the ratings about 100 Days to Indy. Mark Miles we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And we said at the time that we would know if he was genuinely pleased or if it was going to be the Miles spin as we've become familiar with. We've now seen the comments curb. What what say you? Spin or genuinely pleased? I'm going to lean towards spin. Um, 
uh, <laughs> and you would be wise to do so. I don't know. <laughs> I also don't know what the expectations were, um, and I think that you can't expect it to hit a home run from from episode one. It's um, apparently modest ratings relative to other CW network uh, shows from what the article said. I, I chuckled at reading the comments because he's like, yeah, I saw the initial ratings and I was really, you know, down because, you know, it was less than a normal CW show and, and all that. And then he goes, but then they explained to me that, you know, less people is more somehow, you know, and he kind of got into the minutiae of how, you know, they were explaining to him that that's actually really good. The logic seemed to kind of be going a little bit thin uh, to me. Again, you got the streaming, so like where I live, I don't get I don't get the station to carry CW, so I had to get the streaming app and watch it on there. And I'd imagine a lot more people watch CW on streaming than do uh, you know traditional network TV. Kirk, so, you might be able to work for Mark Miles. Keep talking. I'm, like I'm that. working on it. I'm trying to. It's my second <laughs> career, I think. You might be his spin master. <laughs> get out there. Uh, really, he he won that debate. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, like I said, it's going to be a short one today, so I would like to dive into just kind of where we stand after five races. You look at your top uh, 12 now, a top 15 curb, uh, you know, obviously one way since the last time we've commented on this, but uh, can you pick one thing that's standing out to you now? For all the grief that we've given to RLL this this summer, um, Christian Lundgaard's in there in ninth place in the standing, so... Um, Looks like they are making a recovery, and um, all is not lost, uh, at least for at least for two of the drivers for RLL. He's making the recovery. I don't know about the rest of them. By the way, there was a, it's been forever since I've seen Bobby Rahal on television. This is quite true. And they did no, mention during the the broadcast that he was out in California for IMSA. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I know he's sick. I, I think it's pretty well known that he's been dealing with uh, like cancer or something like that. Something not good. I was glad to hear that he was out in California with that, uh, you know, doing that. But, man, we haven't seen that guy on television for some time. Well, I thought I'd heard good things about Ray Hall's health, um, like maybe he'd gotten through the worst of it or something. I think yeah. all that's true. I think all that's great and good to know. I think it does speak to your point. It just seems more and more every day that you've got this. And Graham Ray Hall's got more business. It seems like every week he opens a new business. I think you're right. It just seems like Graham's getting ready to take over that team and fall back to a uh, an ownership role with maybe an occasional drive. I think that you seem to be dead on with that one. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. I have said in the past that I thought you were way too early with that, but now I'm thinking even next year that could happen. Maybe that's the direction he's heading, and maybe it'll be sooner than everybody expects. Anyway, that, so, that's probably the most obvious thing to me that stands out right now. Uh, Lingard... Of all the people in the top 10 or 12, it's a surprise. Lungard would be the one. Yeah. I think when you look at your top nine or top 12, even if you want to do it, what's what's interesting is you are seeing a change in the guard. It happens kind of subtly sometimes. But, you know, you got Palau and Award and Erickson as your top three. Now, Erickson's not exactly, um, you know, a spring chicken, um, but he is to IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um You've got uh, McLaughlin, kind of same thing, you know, not a spring chicken, but he is an IndyCar. And Grosjean, he's not a spring chicken, but he is an IndyCar. So you got your top five, uh, relatively few years in IndyCar amongst all of them, right? No long-term veterans there. And then then you got to get to six, seven, and eight 
which is Newgarden, Dixon, and Power until you really start logging up the years. So, I mean, it's interesting to me from that standpoint that the guys at this point that are excelling are guys with relatively little, few races in IndyCar, relatively speaking. I'm not saying they're not experienced. That would be wrong. But, um, you know, relatively few races in IndyCar. And that's what's interesting. It's like there does appear to be a guard change, you know, underway here. If you extend that to the top ten, uh, Lungard and Kirkwood would qualify as your newcomers as well, right? So yeah. seven, out, seven out of ten um, would fit your definition. And that's certainly all but Lungard are with – the usual suspects in terms of teams. So maybe it doesn't quite as obvious sometimes um, because you, you expect success from drivers for these teams, but it's happening and we're not noticing it every day, but you, you point that out and you're right. Curb, let's uh, let's go down to the dwelling in the cellar. Again, not a tremendous amount of change there other than names that we expect to be kind of getting out of there. Just don't seem to be. Connor Daly, DeFrancesco, Stingray Rob, and Benjamin Peterson. Hanging on by the skin of his teeth is Pagano with a one-point uh, advantage over Daly in the 20. Santino Ferrucci has kind of slid backwards here. He's, uh, and then that familiar name, Jack Harvey. Those four cars, Elio, Harvey, Santino, and Pagano, four points or less ahead of Connor Daly in the 23rd or 22nd spot. So yeah. still a very intense competition back there. <laughs> Dave Francesco just can't seem to get it together. Connor Daly hasn't had... A, a moment in the sun, as far as I can tell. Pagano, wow, just wow. Right. And um, Foyt, as a team, has been terrible. Um, Frucci's probably tearing his hair out, and that's a lot to say for him. Talked about Harvey ad nauseum, and we've talked about Elio kind of ad nauseum. I mean, he's he's making a ton of mistakes this year. He just looks he looks ready for the pasture for sure. Even when the driver thinks they can drive, the teams. You know, they didn't always a driver, I guess. The team's been letting them down, too, or, the, or Lady Luck, or whatever you want to call it. But it's just not happening for Meyer Shank this year in no. any way, shape, or form. And I think that's a huge problem for Pagano, right? Because if, if he gets let go this year by them, which I think he probably will unless things improve dramatically, who's going to pick him up? I mean, does he just then go to Foyt, right, <laughs> to be the next victim over there? It's If he stays kind of like where it's at, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to pick him up. I mean, I'd, I'd take Felix Rosenquist over him in two seconds, wouldn't you? I would. You know he's good at Indy. I mean, if nothing else, he should be an excellent Indy-only candidate. In the the, I'm going to round out this with a question to you. I'm going to put you in the seat. You're a team owner. Mm-hmm. You've got two choices for next year, for the entire year. You've got <clears throat> Simon Pagano or Augustine Canapino. <laughs> Who are you going to choose? Simon Pagano. There you go. I'll take Canapino because that's how I roll. Canapino is a nice story, but um, I think I would go with Passion. Okay. There you go. Curb uh, sponsors, Hash Hive coming soon to a app store near you. South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Mention this podcast to the other Saul and get a generous discount. And uh, at Hero, at H I R O. IndyCar at Hero IndyCar. Can I ask you this before we go? Quickly. Who's your pick for the poll? Ooh, you're Palau. on Palau. Yep. Yeah, see, that would have been my guy. So um, we can agree. It's okay. Yeah, that's no fun. I'll uh, I'll pick uh I'll go with Award. See what Chevy's got for him this year. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's a big call on Chevy. Enjoy uh enjoy the week at Indy this week, fellows folks, and uh, enjoy qualifying, and we'll catch you between qualifying and the race. Hopefully.